Well, I'm sure you've all seen the news from this week. Uh, a siege, uh, a, a attempted coup on our capital. Um, you know, as a nation, we've got to come together. We've got to heal these wounds. And I think, I think the way to come out of it is to, to podcast our way out of it. Our weapons will be our microphone, delivering these sweet pod sounds to all our listeners across the nation. Are you, are you, are you two with me? Together, we will podcast this through. No. <laughs> And welcome back, everybody, to The Square Podcast. Uh, yes, the world is on fire. Everything is terrible, but we will podcast it through. At least it's not 2020 anymore. At least it's not 2020 anymore. Right. Oh, folks, thanks for joining us today. We have, in the second half of the show, a very special interview with City of Buffalo mayoral candidate India Walton. It is a good one, so stick around for that. Uh, but first, we want to see what's happening around the square. Jim, what's going on? Well, um, we have our first county controller candidate, which is interesting. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Before you get to the boring stuff, dude, all right, we'll get there in a second. I, You know how they say, remember those Matrix movies where you, know, you took the, the red pill or the blue pill? I took the red, white, and blue pill, all right? I took the Bill's pill, baby. Woo! A-A-A-A-A, all right? This is what the people came for. Yeah, we'll get to the, the nerd stuff in just a second, but we're not a sports podcast, but by God, them Buffalo Bills, how about it? Mm, I will say that... Uh, my general response to yesterday's game is, <laughs> how many cigarettes did you smoke yesterday? Uh, too, too many, too many. The, not an entire pack, but maybe half. Can, can you imagine how it would have been in normal times if this wouldn't happen? Holy shit. It would have been crazy. Full stadium, bars I, full. I'll tell you right now, if this happened in the 1950s and I was watching that game, yeah. I would have gone through an entire pack of cigarettes because I wouldn't have to go outside every 15 minutes to smoke. <laughs> Just one after another. Just uh, one right after another while you, I was in the grocery store fire, picking up le- lettuce. You can have your dog, Ernest, just hand, hand you one lit. Once it's right, the other yeah. One's in, yeah. It's, it, he'd be smoking his own pack. We'd both be smoking Lucky Strikes. <laughs> they did, um, I don't know if you guys saw, but they did officially rename my neighborhood to Josh Allentown. Oh, yeah. yes. I don't know if the uh, the Allentown Village Association is going to be kosher with that, but the Josh Allentown Village Association is uh, the Excuse Josh me. Allentown uh, Art Festival. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, Josh Allentown Pizza. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I like the Josh Allentown Art Festival because it'll just be paintings of Josh Allen from now on. That which, I mean, good. which the last time I went to the Allentown Art Festival, there was an on velvet painting of Jim Kelly scoring a touchdown against the Miami Dolphins. Oh well, there you go. Oh, you know, you know how you know he'll really, like he's really made it. You, you ever see like those metal sculptures they make out of wire, and like it's like different animals and stuff. If it's like a metal wire sculpture of Josh Allen, then truly that will be the Josh Allen Town mm-hmm. Arts Festival for me. But yes, no, the Bills won. We're all happy, excited, relieved. Can't believe it. First time in twenty five years. Holy shit! Um, 
I mean, again, the world is falling in around our ears, but at least we got the Bills. So you know, it was questionable to even start the NFL season this year. But Jesus Christ, I don't think I could have gotten through this without watching my beautiful Bills play and win. Questionable and arguably shouldn't have even been playing. Well, yeah, but since they are playing it, hey, we're gonna watch. You might as well win if they're gonna do it. Might as well just win, baby. Just win. It's man, I. You know, I mean, I I took a, a football uh, sabbatical, football hiatus for a while. Um, you know, I've got some issues with CTE uh, and what we're doing to these poor human beings and just ruining their brains for the rest of their lives. But God damn, it felt good to watch them win. Oh, yes, yes, I I no, I, I hear you. Football in general can be a little bit problematic, but there's something like just a lizard ape-like part of my brain. I don't know even what animal, but there's just something primal and instinctual of watching your team win in just such dramatic fashion. Ah, it was so cool. I'm not used to it. I'm still riding that high. So, yes, we're recording on Sunday. Bills won yesterday. We don't know who they're playing yet. You know, hopefully... I don't even know. We'll we'll see. If they're a good team, they're just going to win. It'll be either the Steelers or the Ravens. Well, right, but my point is if they're a good team, they're just going to win. But, you know, I think we can hope for the Steelers. Again, not a sports podcast, but we have our opinions. Anyway, non-football. Now we can talk. Yeah, nice yawn for Kevin Hardwick. Jim, (laughs) what is is happening in the world of... Oh, the, of the controller's office. The controller's office. Well, We're going to miss Stefan for content on that, by the way, because yeah. no, like, no matter who replaces him is, is going to be nowhere near as insane, and that job potentially just goes back to being like the snooze fest. Right, just, you, you assume uh, Stefan's going anywhere. He's still going to be in the news, let's face it. Well... He'll be, but he'll not be, he won't be on any news that I care about. Uh, like if he's on OANN, I am never going to watch. I am never going to consume any Stefan content. You can count me out of that. But if he's like in any sort of power in my life that I have to mm-hmm. deal with, then yeah, I'll pay attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, uh, uh, like I said, we have our first county controller candidate. We have Kevin Hardwick, uh, former Republican, now Democrat county legislator, professor at Canisius college, PhD, um, seems like he's qualified. I mean, he's, he did his uh, PhD thesis on something like the allocation of county resources or assets or something like that. Whoa. So um, he's certainly better than Stefan, um, if Stefan even runs. Do you think Stefan can actually do math? No. I don't think so either. Not, oh, up to 10. Oh. <laughs> I'll give him credit that that he can maybe do math, but Mm. you know we're not going much further than that. Definitely not long division. No, no. Do you think he has any idea what an audit's supposed to look like? No, absolutely no no idea. I think we can all agree that if nothing else, Kevin Hardwick is a a competent choice. um, If he if he should be uh, the one who ends up winning that office this time around, right? Um, If not the sexiest choice. But, you know, it, it is what it is. You got to play it's, the hand you're dealt with. It's not a sexy office. I mean, honestly, I kind of want a milk, to- uh, milk toast candidate for controller. That's what, I, that's what I want that office to be, is to be somebody who's just going to just do the job and not make it hyper-political. 
Yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, I can see the like with Stefan, I can see the appeal of making that a hyper political office because it's an office where you have little understanding generally of what they do other than they audit and they care about the money. Mm-hmm. So you could have a demagogue like Stefan Mihailu go to whatever heights, but the, you know, with that office. But the problem is like, where's Stefan going? <laughs> you know, you right. can only ride that train for so long. Stefan did not win the congressional seat and probably like we're saying is going to be out of politics. I mean, and he didn't, it's not that he didn't win the uh, congressional seat. He didn't come close. He got a, he got smoked. So, and he can't raise money. I mean, we'll find out in a couple of weeks how much money he has. Um, January 15th is the periodic filing for everybody for, in New York State for campaign finance. I'd be interested to see how much money he has. Uh, I'll be interested to see how much money Hardwick has on hand. Um, you know, we'll see if there's any other candidates who pop out uh, of left field or right field or center field, any of the fields, Elysian fields, whichever field that <laughs> might be, strawberry. Um, uh, Jim, I, I'm with you. Like, I I wish they could just, like, clone a whole bunch of David Shanks and just keep <laughs> them, like, in a, in some kind of, like, freezer somewhere and then unthaw them every time that we need a new comptroller. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, a guy who looks like that, like a buzz cut, glasses, right. nondescript. Yeah, no, absolutely. That That's... That's what I want for my controller. Um, I, I just want somebody who can do the math. Like I, I just want a math teacher. I want I want your 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 typical math teacher to be my controller. If only we were so lucky. If only we were so lucky. So what, what else is going on, Jim? Oh well, you're Speak, speaking of that congressional congressional race. race. Yeah. Speaking of that congressional race, the winner who smoked Stefan Mahalo. Chris Jacobs was like, hey, I know that there was just like an attempted coup and insurrection and an attack on the Capitol, but fuck it. I'm going to vote to not certify the results of the election anyways and object to the results. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Whoops. Uh, Um, So he's been called on by friend of the pod, Assemblyman Pat Burke, to resign, among other people. Um, the Buffalo News wrote a a, a, a pretty scathing article, sc- oh scathing editorial. Did they call just, in, Did they call on him to resign? They or, didn't call him to resign, but they called him a coward. Well, he is. <laughs> I remember when he first started running for office. What, what was it? This the the state assembly seat. You were like, oh, he's a moderate. He's not for Trump. Well, guess what? He won, and he endorsed Trump like right after. Right. He, oh, he endorsed he's, Trump before he he won. Was it uh, before? because because he wanted to get that Trump endorsement for mm-hmm. that district? to follow up on the Chris Collins nonsense. Um, so uh, so Burke called on the resignation, and then um, all the Democratic members of the state uh, delegation, both the senators and the uh, uh, assembly members, have sent a letter to Chris Jacobs saying, listen, you psychotic fuck, get the hell out of here. Resign. You've embarrassed yourself. You have embarrassed the citizens of Western New York. Odds are that won't be a district come uh, next time around, right? I I would doubt it. I wouldn't be surprised if it got somehow lumped in with Tom Reed's district. Tom Reed or Higgins, right? Well, Actually, it's probably yeah. split between the two. Yeah. Um, you know, keep Higgins' seat safe and make that Reed seat even safer for a Republican. 
You know, I know there's a lot of animus and justifiably so about Chris Jacobs taking this move right now. I do know that there is a tendency to memory hole these things that this could be forgotten about or it could be lost to the collective consciousness even within like a year as who knows what happens in the world. My sincere hope and I'm willing it into existence is that Chris Jacobs has to wear this for the rest of his rest of his life, rest of his political career, rest of his professional career. The guy has more money than God. He doesn't have to worry about his finances. You know, the, the, his family will be fine. All of his assets, I'm sure, will be fine. The one thing that you know a guy like him values is his reputation and his name. That's why the Jacobs name is on so many things in the city of Buffalo. So you know what, dude? I hope when people look and they see Jacobs on any building in the city of Buffalo, they know exactly what and who they're looking at. Mm-hmm. A yeah. piece of trash. You voted to delegitimize the elections in the United States. All right? Like, that's it. You have to wear that. He, he and all of his ilk should have the scarlet letter for the rest of their lives. You did it. Like, yeah. you own this. So you're going to have your name attached to that, and then you're going to have it attached to all these buildings and things. All right. That's fine. But it, that's, that's your legacy. So congratulations, Chris. Good one. All right. Well, moving on, or maybe not moving on, Jim. We 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 are so lucky to have a local connection to the insurrection, aren't we? Oh man, aren't we ever lucky? It's Oof. it's it's. There's always a Buffalo connection, right? <laughs> Just no escape. Just God. no escaping it. Who do we who do we have from the Buffalo area, Jim? That we can say that's our guy. That's our special little guy. It's what's his name? Uh. Pete Harding, is that his name? Harding's uh, brother of Tanya Harding. Yeah, brother of Tanya Harding. Whoa, whoa, whoa! And uh, uh, famously of Pete and Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not bring Tanya into this. Let's not bring Tanya into this. You're right. We do love Tanya Harding. Uh, t- uh, son of Warren G. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Pete Harding. Uh, Pete Harding of Cheektowaga says he went to Washington this week. This is from. Uh, WIVB.com, News 4 Buffalo. Uh, headline, Cheektowaga man initially claiming he didn't take part in U.S. Capitol riot is seen on video attempting to set media equipment on fire. Initially, Pete Harding told our Marley Tuskus in a Zoom meeting he hadn't entered the building, but after video showed he had been inside, he claimed he never said that. I didn't say that. We, 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 we have you saying yeah, that. Yeah, on video you have me saying that? Yes, we do. Okay, well then I apologize for giving you information that would be misleading because I remember that differently. Which I have to say is truly incredible headline. He didn't take part in it, is caught on video trying to, attempting to set media equipment on fire. He, uh, Jimmy says he went to Washington this week to stand up for truth, liberty, and justice. He denies taking part in the insurrection that left five people dead, including a Capitol police officer who was killed in the line of duty. Initially, Pete Harding told uh, Marley Tusks in a Zoom meeting that he did not enter the building, but after a video showed he had been inside, he claimed he never said that. <laughs> He's a complete loser. Lion-ass loser. <laughs> so fuck him. I mean, Holy it's shit. just... 
this is what you get when you've got a, an entire political party normalizing alternate reality. Is that you can say whatever you want, and then when somebody calls you on it, you just say no. That's not that's not true. It's like it's like the fucking Shaggy song. It wasn't me. Never admit to a word where she say. I need to claim my utella, baby, no way. But she got me on the counter. Wasn't me. <laughs> well, was it? Was it? I, I'm looking. At, I've looked into this guy a little bit further. I mean, wasn't he involved in like the um, something with the athletes unleashed video too? I I don't I don't know I don't know. It sounds like the name of a, of a New York Watchman. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I mean the the point is this guy has a um, a pretty high profile. He's actually Jim. He um, is is very close friends with Stefan Mahalu. Uh, Stefan's friends over at WesternNewYorkMedia.net reported back in December, December sixteenth, Mahalo masks super spreaders arrest in Cheektowaga. So he was actually out there with Stefan. Pete Harding and Erie County Controller Stefan Mahalu not socially distancing or wearing a mask at a recent press conference. Um, so he was actually out there defending our boy Bobby De Niro um, with Stefan. So we have this guy who is, uh, if he's out there doing press conferences with Stefan, I'd have to say a pretty close ally. Yep. It's all connected, isn't it? Involved in the insurrection. So, hey, Stefan, you're in great company, pal. Yeah. No. Just some more freaking winners. God damn it. You know, I I would just can we use one week where we don't have to talk about Stefan. I don't know, man. It's going to be tough. I know because it's an election year, and he's going to be running for something or not. And then if he's not running for something, it's going to color or it's going to taint what people are running for. Whether it's him or Lynn Dixon or Sergio Rodriguez or whoever the Republicans scrape together to, to run for county controller. Just or maybe it'll be Pete Harding. Fuck it, who cares? <laughs> That's the next step. Yeah, just him and his his dad Warren G will just go out there on the campaign trail. Oh, well, oh. Uh, but good news from Cheektowaga. Oh, it's rare to hear that phrase. But please, from the uh, the land of the crab apples, uh, friend of the pod, former guest Brian Nowak was endorsed by the Erie County or the Cheektowaga Democratic Committee for his re-election campaign for town council. Hey, all right. So that's good news. Um, you know, uh, like I said, Brian's been on the pod. He's a friend of the pod. Um, I've donated money to him in the past. So I'm, I'm excited that he's got a chance to uh, be the endorsed candidate this time. He ran last time, and he got the top – he was a top vote getter or something like the second vote getter. Um and he was not endorsed, so this is his first time he'll be the endorsed candidate. Now, Brian, Brian is the real deal. If you missed our election episode coverage with him, um, yeah, go back and listen to it if you want. It's kind of time sensitive. Um, I know some people just listen to every episode of the pod. Shouts out to you if you get to this point. Um, but Brian, much like our guest later on uh, today in the episode, uh, India Walton, is a real for lack of a better phrase, like a regular person, like he's got a job, he's got a nine to five job. I don't know his hours, but he, you know, he's got, he's a, he's a, he's a working person. He actually, he actually has a real job where he doesn't work nine to five. Right. He's got a, he's got a, he's got a real job where he's got to work like, cause, uh, he posts on social media that he had to work yesterday during the bills game, during the bills game. Um, 
but he got let out a little early, so he didn't, he didn't miss the entire game. Because um, he, he posted a picture of his work boots because, you know, he's got the type of real regular job where he doesn't get a chance to just work Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, and have his weekends off. He's got to work weekends, you know. It's, he's he's get pulled away from his wife and his baby so, so he can make ends meet. You know, because I got to tell you that, you know, I don't know what kind of stipend they get for being a Chicawaga Town Council member, but it's not a lot. No, I can I can only imagine that it's it's something, but it, it's not nothing, but it's not much. I'd assume, right? Um, it's, I, I will yeah. say it, it's nice to have some politicians who haven't been brainwormed yet. They don't have that brain parasite yeah. going on. Well, and you know what? I mean, much like we see on the national level with a figure like Alexandria Ocasio Cortez yeah. shedding light. Yep. into what the process otherwise this otherwise occlusive process where you have no idea how the sausage gets made um brian is somebody who on his social media feed and in conversations like he's willing to go out and talk to anybody and he's he posts about it where he sheds light on a lot of how that sausage gets made and it's so informative because there's just a it, it can seem so far away from your day-to-day life, how politics happens, how decisions get made. It seems like it's just so far off and distant from what you do day-to-day. When you have working people like, like Brian Nowak and hopefully India Walton and you know countless other people who maybe haven't made that jump yet but who are thinking about it, you get working people in there and they can go to other working people and say, hey, this is what happens. This is how it works. This is how this affects your life. And you become more invested because A, your person is in there doing it. Your, I, you know, you work, you know a bunch of guys like Brian Nowak, smart guys who, you know, have to, have to work for a living, but you know could serve the public and be in a greater capacity. Mm-hmm. And you know people like India Walton who, you know, are mothers and sisters and have families to raise but they still want to go out there and serve. And I just, I don't know. I think it's fantastic. We talk about these friggin' chowderheads like Chris Jacobs and, you know, Stefan Mahailu, these people who probably never worked an honest day's work, you know, work day in their lives. And just the contrast to some of the other amazing people that we have in office or seeking office, it just blows my mind. Mm-hmm. So shout out to Brian. Yep. Another thing about Brian, I'm pretty sure he's also a volunteer firefighter. Yes, he is. Yeah. So another thing he's got going on to give back to his community. Right. Yeah. We're I, not saying we're not saying he all just this. does it for the tax breaks. Oh, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> we're not just saying this to get Brian back on the pod. Although no, we no. would certainly love to. He's always welcome. Yeah. But no, shout out to him. He deserves that endorsement. He he deserves that seat. And uh, the good people at Chictawaga keep it rolling. Um. Speaking of chowderheads, <laughs> let's talk about our governor for a second. Uh-huh. Then, then it, I don't know that I... What, what are we giving him? I'm going to give him the... Uh... Request denied. No, no. That's, that's us getting a vaccine anytime soon. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> I, I don't know that I shared this story on the podcast. Did you guys see this? I, I shared it on my social media that uh, a couple weeks ago after I left here, on my way home, I stopped at Tops. Uh-huh. And I saw somebody with a fuck Cuomo sweatshirt on. Oh, you did tell us that story, Jim. Oh. Tell it again. It's good. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and I was like, hey, man, I like your sweatshirt. 
And he was like, yeah, right on. And he gave me a fist bump. Yeah. Now, like, I'm sure I like that sweatshirt for totally different reasons why oh, then he yeah. likes that sweatshirt. You, you liked it for the right reasons. Right, right, right. Yeah. He, he liked it for the, like, storm the capital reasons. Yeah, 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 yeah. I liked it for the, like, stop overreaching your power and being a manipulative dickhead about this stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, which, it turns out, he ended up not going to the uh, Bills game. Yes. He ended up not going to the I, Bills game. I think he got shamed out of it. But uh, uh, the, the fuck Cuomo guy, as, as I was stopping to buy lottery tickets, was like, oh, have a good night, brother. And I was like, I guess guess we had a connection. <laughs> <laughs> Do you exchange phone numbers, Jim? <laughs> no. It's, we, we, uh, we both follow each other on Twitter now, so we oh, can send nice. each other DMs. Oh, that's great. <laughs> He's at, at, at fuck Cuomo 716. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to give him a follow. Yeah. Uh no the ra- uh, vaccination rollout re how's it going? Uh, uh it's like that meme like the how it started how it's going I don't know it's <laughs> I think we need another one we can always give it a sad trombone no not not great uh, it's it's pretty clear um better than other states not all other states but some other you're states. setting that bar very very low Jim but yes yes it 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 is better than other states the biggest problem. And again, we are not insiders on this. We are reading the news just like every other person who wants to know when they're getting vaccinated and and how it's going to work and when we can be in public and see our friends again um, and be at the pink at 4 a.m. celebrating <laughs> Bill's playoff victory again. Mm-hmm. But, man, could you imagine the pink yesterday? Oh, my oh, God. Wow. Oh, wow. Oh, God. I can't even think about it. I mean, I was at the pink when the Sabres were good, right? Like... When when Drury Drury scored the famous Drury overtime goal, oh yeah, I was at the pink for that. And P, you mean the pink is not a place where sports fans hang out. And the place erupted. I mean, you would have thought we had won the goddamn Stanley Cup the way people were <laughs> celebrating, and we just beat the Rangers. Oh, so God. I I can only imagine, especially because like since it was the first game yesterday. Like there would have been people who were, who showed up at one o'clock at the pink to watch the game at the pink in the afternoon. Oh yeah, the, the real degenerates are. Uh, there'd are be people there. still there from yesterday at the pink. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sleepover at the pink. Yeah, <laughs> it's like Berlin where they party another night. <laughs> yes, yes. So we all want to be back at the old pink and just be surrounded by thousands of our best friends in Buffalo. But get, instead, Governor, get your shit together. Let's get this vaccine rolled out. Come on. Well, and the, and the worst part is, like, you read all these reports, uh, and again, I don't know on which level of bureaucracy, and I don't want to be like, and the bureaucrats, but clearly there is some disconnect there between, like, how people, how they do the rollout um, and who's getting it, because there's all these stories of vaccines just sitting in freezers waiting to be used, and it's not getting out to people. I mean, I know that, like, anecdotally, um, my father had a doctor's appointment this week. And his primary care physician said, you know, he had opportunity. He could have been a place to uh, give out the vaccine. But his parking lot is so small. And after you get the vaccine, you have to wait for 15 minutes. They have to monitor you to see if you have any kind of adverse reaction to it right away. That he wouldn't have had enough space literally in his parking lot to give out vaccines as fast as he could give out vaccines. So it was an inefficient use for him to, and 
he doesn't have the smallest parking lot of any doctor's office I've been to. Mm. So there is you know, partly the logistics of working with private physicians to administer these shots. This is where if we had a national health care system. Oh, yeah. Where you could just say, like, all right, here's your marching orders. Go, 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 go. But instead, you have to work with private physicians who are just saying, yeah, yeah that, no, that's not going to work for me. And it goes without saying that, but I'm going to say it anyway, goes without saying, though, that every day that goes by that we don't have a proper rollout of the vaccine, that just more people die. It's not just some far off thing. It's here in this county. The numbers have gone up. Mm-hmm. Like, it's real. It's crazy. I have at least four or five friends who have had COVID. It's not great. Um, and that's putting it very mildly to a huge understatement about how severe the virus is. Um, I, I'd be surprised if you did, if anyone listening didn't know someone with COVID or mm-hmm. who had died at this point. Well, that's, that's just it. We're at the point now where, you know, a few months ago, you probably maybe you knew somebody who sort of had it or maybe somebody old. No, now we're talking about people like in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and it's regularly happening. And the friends I've had have it are um, our corrections officers and teachers and like people who really unfortunately don't have a choice but to be in the public sphere constantly. So they have to interact. And mm-hmm. every day that passes is another day of critical risk where we can have people's lives be put at danger. So, uh, you know, I'm glad, glad the governor got to put out his book about how he beat uh, COVID back in like fucking June or July mission accomplished mission accomplished, (laughs) dude. Congratulations. Yeah. Way to go. What else do we got today? Oh, well, um, just a couple, I don't want to say odds and ends, but I, I did mention prisons in there. Ryan, you brought up the, uh, Gowanda prison where Buffalo 66 was filmed is closing. Yeah, is that right? yeah a little bit of a callback. Uh, I think that and a couple other prisons are closing. I don't know. I guess it's a cost savings measure for the for prison the abolitionists. For, yeah. Well, that's fine. I'm all for prison abolition, but you know, there's, there's a, there's a local factor. People are going to lose their jobs yeah. or, or have to move or whatever, but I think it's just something, something notable for the area, something people care about but, on either, either side of the issue. Right. And, and, you know, Billy won't have to take that hour-long bus ride when it's needing to pee now. <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah, it would be longer than an hour. It would right? be long. Yeah, because, I mean, if, you know, if he's in a state facility, maybe yeah. they send him to, like, fish kill or something. <laughs> won't be coming out with his red boots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So, no, and it's not like they're rolling out, like, the, the revamped uh, Tennessee Valley Authority anytime soon. You know, no, no big public's work public works association to replace all these jobs. As far as I know, mm-hmm. hopefully that changes under a Biden administration. Maybe he's like secret FDR and all the folks who lost their job at the Guanda prison find, you know, gainful work mm-hmm. backed by the U S government. But in lieu of that, yeah, um, they're closing it. So it is what it is. Unfortunately. Yep. But, but guys, I think that's all that, uh, is happening around the square here. So I think that's all that's happened this week. So go bills go. Yes. Go bills. Again, as of this recording, the bills have beaten the cults Mm -hmm. just to give you a little frame of reference. We are actually in the middle of Sunday afternoon. We do not know yet who their opponent would be or will be. So if you're listening in the future and you know, you're like, Oh my God, it's the Ravens or, Oh yeah, it's the Steelers. Um, We're there with you, whichever, whatever you feel, we feel it too. 
Right, whichever NFC North team that they're playing. <laughs> yeah, Jim. Choose, choose your poison. Pick your NFC North poison. Yes, their NFC North team. Uh, <laughs> they play in the NFC now. Uh, you're pulling a Ryan move, Jim. Um, Jeez. No, so whoever the Bills are playing, you know, whatever. We're excited. Bills by a million. Um, but please stick around now for our next segment where we interview, like I said, uh, mayoral candidate India Walton for what is just an incredible and awesome interview with one of just one of the most refreshing people I've, I've met in um, in local politics. Yep. Like she's, us on Twitter. She's pretty rad. All right, everyone, welcome to The Square. If you're joining us today for the first time, I'd like to give a sort of a brief introduction to who we are and and what we're about here. Our philosophy is that the scene back at Buffalo's old Thursday at The Square, concerts down at Lafayette Square, represented something of an ideal. Uh, People from all over would come, you know, they come down to a public shared space, they'd hang out listen to music, and have interesting conversations about what's happening in Buffalo and and in Western New York and the world. Um, While you're in Lafayette Square, you're always looking at Niagara Square and the seats of power in Buffalo. We here are extremely excited to welcome today's guest, an individual who very much has that seat of power in view, uh, India Walton, Buffalo mayoral candidate. Thank you so much for joining us today at the Square. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. India, we've we've talked about your candidacy. We were following the launch um, of your campaign very closely. And we, you know, speaking for Jim and Ryan and, and everybody here, um, we're so excited to have you on and kind of pick your brain and talk to you about um, the mayoral candidacy, which crazy as it seems like it's not that far away. <laughs> it's not. It's um, it's a lot sooner than we think. And as a candidate who's actively running, I feel that the, the weight and pressure of that every single day. For sure. And, and let's jump right into that. So the first question I think on everybody's mind is India Walton. Why are you running for mayor? Um, I am running for mayor because as a lifelong Buffalonian, I have experienced and overcome many of the challenges that average folks face. Um, I'm a working class person who believes in working class people and supporting those who really keep the city running. And I feel like the current administration um, has a theory of trickle down development and economics that does not work for the many. And that is what I'm hearing in the streets is that we want a, a local government that works for the majority of us and not only prioritizes the few, but puts people and planet first. Absolutely. And could you give us a little bit of your background, um, just who you are and, and maybe what sort of inspired you to make that run? Like, what was the moment where you said, hey, I want to be mayor of Buffalo? Sure. Um, I am so many things. (laughs) Um, So my professional background is actually as a registered nurse. And I think that working in healthcare was really the first time that I was able to like name the disparities in economic 
mobility, right? Like if you are at a certain socioeconomic status, you get treated differently even in your most vulnerable moments. And I was like, that's not really right. Um, so I started looking at like ways to make an impact on a broader level. Like you can affect people on a person to person level or you can affect policy. So I think that um, my time as a nurse really wanted me to be able, really led me to be able to affect policy. Um, from there, I became an organizer. I worked on criminal justice and police reform. Um, and while I was doing that, I kind of got roped into being the executive director of an affordable housing agency um, organization called the Fruit Belt Community Land Trust, the first of its kind um, in the city of Buffalo, where we create permanently affordable housing. It's a really long and wonky story. I can't, there's no way I can tell it in the short version to make it make sense. Um, but I'm really just a person who like fights for what's right on all fronts, right? So like anytime I see an injustice, I'm there. And even if I don't have the expertise or knowledge or background to know how to solve that problem, I'm willing to build coalitions, work with people and listen to get the job done. That's in a nutshell, um, who I am as a person and really what my values are. No, absolutely. And I, I want to ask too, because you certainly have a, a wonderful background for it. Is there any reason that you chose the office of mayor as opposed to maybe a, a council uh, running for city council, say? Yeah. So, um, we live in a city that is very mayor heavy, right? And for most of my life, I've experienced the common council as a legislative body, not necessarily legislating and kind of being like very lock in step with the executive level of local government, right? Like, um, and especially being involved in housing development and like trying to get legislation for folks in the Fruit Belt neighborhood who had issues. If the mayor doesn't sign off on it, it's not a thing, right? Like you need that blessing in order to move anything forward in Buffalo. Um, and I, I also think that like even things that are not in the purview of the mayor's office, you have such influence, right? You're the executive leader of the second largest city in New York state. So even if it's not within your purview to do something at the stroke of a pen, you can make a phone call, you can influence things to make stuff better for so many people. Um, and just like the way I live my life, I've always like shot for the moon. So it's like, why not? hundred percent agree. I, I think that's, mm -hmm. I, I think that's an extremely informed view of Buffalo politics and how things operate here. You're right that it is mayor centric um, for sure. So kind of the nuts and bolts though, but what is your platform as a mayoral candidate? Yeah, I've been going through our policy priorities and we're trying to whittle them down. <laughs> Currently we're down to 12, <laughs> right? Um, it's a, it's kind of a, a big job to have 12 priorities, but because I care so deeply about every single person in Buffalo, it's difficult to say what are the top three things, right? But at this point, our top three things are fiscal accountability, public safety, 
and public health, right? And those three things encompass so much about the challenges we face as members of this community that that's really where I want to start. Um, but, I, you know, also other parts of the platform include immigration. We want to make Buffalo a sanctuary city. Like, let's stop tiptoeing around it and being afraid yes. and know that new Americans and our immigrant and migrant population are what makes Buffalo a vibrant and thriving place. And we need to do everything we can to protect those folks and give them a voice in governance of this place, right? Like things like transportation, infrastructure, like how we make our city a place for people and not vehicles, right? Like how do we make our city more pedestrian, bike, and multimodal friendly? Like there, there's just so many things, but like I said, um, fiscal accountability, health, and public safety are our top three priorities right now. Well, that's it. So I want to ask about the fiscal accountability or fiscal responsibility. And I, uh, not to be too glib, but I've never heard anybody run on a campaign of fiscal unaccountability or fiscal irresponsibility. <laughs> So what do you mean by fiscal accountability? Like, you know, like, like to me, like fiscal responsible right now would be doing giant capital works projects because the interest rate is so low. Mm -hmm. So like, what well, is fiscal accountability mean to you as a candidate yeah. for mayor? So fiscal accountability to me, um, it means many things. First of all, to me, a budget is a moral document. It shows the people that you govern in this case over, but in my case, it would be the people that you govern with your budget is how you show those folks what your priorities are and how much they mean to you. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the first part of that is transparency. Like right now we have a super nefarious and closed door budgeting process where we don't really know how our money is being spent until the common council votes up or down on it. Um, the second thing is instituting a true participatory budgeting process where the people who are most impacted get to decide where our money goes. Um, and the third thing is just going line by line. And it's going to sound super cliche, but like trimming the fat, right? Like there's no way that if my household finances are in trouble, I'm going to go out and buy Gucci bags. Like I'm going to be the first one to deny myself simple pleasures until I make sure everything else in my household is, un is afloat. So how do you have people at the executive level making six plus figures and our city is in a deficit? It makes absolutely no sense. So we, we really need to like tighten our belts. And when we talk about like balancing budgets, it shouldn't come on the backs of poor people black people and brown people and at the expense of city services like community centers, senior services and programming for youth, it should come in the form of like, take a salary cut or like, you don't need nine staff members to handle your communications. Like it's not, I am on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> but like, this Listen, when I say I'm a regular everyday person, I totally mean that. I yep. I have my, my niece my niece and nephew here. I'm babysitting for my sister and awesome. you know, this is this is what we what we do. We we support and take care of each other. But you know, to to the the point to just round it out is like fiscal accountability means all of those things. Right? We don't generate I have this other term that I use called ethical 
um, ethical revenue that everyone else on my team hates, but I love it because it's like, we don't find our way out of budget troubles, right? You can't ticket your way out of a budget deficit. What you do is you grow your tax base. You put people in positions of home ownership in all of these vacant buildings and allow them to build on this vacant land. You mandate that your people who are on the city payroll actually live in the city and pay into the system that pays them, right? Mm -hmm. So like, there's been all this controversy about speed cameras. There's been so much controversy about parking tickets and traffic enforcement and things like that, that really disproportionately impact people who are already struggling. So let's not do that and find ethical sources of revenue to make our city as, as good as it really can be. That's I it. talked a long time. No, it's awesome. <laughs> That's, what we're, here That's for. what we're here for, really. And the more you talk, the easier our job is, believe me. <laughs> but um, no, you mentioned a couple of policies, which are, controversial really isn't the word for it. They're, they're outright hated, odious. Um, with regards to obviously the increased ticketing here in the city with the speed cameras and, and sort of that whole snafu about how that was rolled out. Um, so I guess I'd be remiss if we didn't ask, you know, mayor Byron Brown, he's been mayor of Buffalo 15, 16 years at this point, Mm -hmm. 16 years, 16 years. Is there anything that you during, you know, that tenure, like, is there anything that you would do or would have done differently as mayor? Um, like is there anything that jumps to mind for you everything huh yeah everything um yeah everything i mean like i I, so i never want to like poop on the mayor it's a difficult position to be in right but i think that like what the advantage i have is working in community and alongside community and with community and valuing the voice of the people who are most impacted, right? Like we barely survived the Bass Pro debacle. Can you imagine Canal Side being a Bass Pro? No, no. Right? Uh. And it, it was the fight in our local community that made it, that prevented that. And now like he stands up and takes credit for it. But like now, like we remember, like that's what you wanted, right? So like, Hmm. I'm trying to think of anything I will do the same. Huh. <laughs> that's that's as good not, of answer as not any. Much. That's that's as good as answer of any. <laughs> um was there so I guess in a similar vein, like was there a moment where the you know, you just kinda everything snapped into place and you said, you know what, I'm gonna run for mayor. Like when was that great awakening for you? Yeah, I've been tossing around this idea since I was like 12. Um, I, I Like growing up here, especially being a little black girl growing up on the east side and poverty, being bused to South Buffalo to go to school. I'm like, this is stupid. Like <laughs> someone should do something to change this. And why shouldn't it be me? Right. But I think the moment I really was locked in was sometime around like June or July when folks were out in the streets crying and begging for our lives and knowing that as an organizer, we went to City Hall with these police reforms in 2016, 2017, and we could have been ahead of the curve and we were told there's no policing problem in Buffalo, right? And watching on the news someone right here in our own city be shot in the back 
and no accountability and that same officer be back on the beat and and just seeing all of the flubs and mismanagement i'm just like enough is enough like we need somebody who's really down for the people and like all of the people right like Buffalo is a working class, blue collar town. There's a few rich people and God bless them. But the majority of us are just are like barely scraping by. Like even those of us who are in a decent position are still one illness, one car breakdown, one crisis away from being poor and destitute. And why should that be? And yeah, I just around July. So that's the answer to the question. Around around like June, July. This is some bullshit. Like someone should do something about this. <laughs> yes. yes. I, I, I want to shift gears a little bit. But you said like you said you know, like you want to be mayor of the people of all the people, and to that extent, like you've said that you're not going to take corporate donations for your campaign, right? Right. So you're going to be funded entirely by individuals, which is mm-hmm. admirable. But, and I will say right now, as far as I know, <coughs> you're the only candidate for mayor. Nobody else has announced <laughs> you. Right? Mm-hmm. So, but if somebody else announces, if say, wh- whether, it's, whether it's Byron Brown announces he's running for fifth term, or say it's, you know, Tim Kennedy who's got a million dollars in the bank, you're going to be a financial underdog. And with COVID, mm-hmm. you know, generally... If you're if you're an underdog candidate, or if you're you're the community activist, you, you're coming you know from, um, you're you're coming from outside of the political establishment. The way you win is you pound the pavement, you work the doors, you get people face to face. Well, with COVID, I don't know how many people are going to answer doors for you. Right. Right. So how are you going to be able to make up that difficulty of being behind financially? Yeah, that's a good question. So first, I want to like give a shout out to Scott Wilson, who declared his candidacy for mayor like back in the summer. Um, he's a young person from South Buffalo, so he's running. Um, and there's also another person, I believe her name is Michelle Holt, who like via Facebook said she was running. I don't like I don't know what like an announcement means, right? None of us are actual candidates until we make the ballot and get those signatures to make it official, right? Honestly. Um, so there's that. But the other thing about the finances is that I've worked really hard over the last five years. I've done um, work not only on a local and state level, but nationally. So I'm really looking to tap into some national networks of people that I know from like the community land trust movement, um, from um, the cannabis reform space, criminal legal reform space, people who have seen me speak and know what the fight is like here in Buffalo um, to be able to like bring some dollars in as as well as just like the people who know me. Right. Like the grassroots folks who call me and say, I need groceries. Mm-hmm. I need you to bring me a gallon of milk. And I've showed up for them. Right. So we announced. um last month it hasn't even been an entire month yet and we've been able to raise more than ten thousand dollars from more than 150 individual donors we have 180 people already signed up to volunteer and this is like in the absence of having a ticketed event right like right the mayor had a six hundred dollar a plate dinner 
and we're not able to do things. I wouldn't do it in the first place. Let's start there, <laughs> right? Like no event you ever come to in support of me is going to cost that amount of money. But um, in the absence of being able to have ticketed events, like this is what is just on the hearts of the people, not only in Buffalo, but beyond, right? Like when I look through our Act Blue account, like there are people donating from Florida and Colorado and Massachusetts and Vermont and folks who just really believe in progressive politics and want to see progressive candidates win all over the country. So that's really like our strategy is to not depend on local and developers and big money, but like to put in the work, right, and get our message out and really get the support of people who actually believe in what we're trying to do. What we will do, not what we're trying to do, what we're going to do, what we are doing. Okay. Oh, that's, and that's, I mean, that's, that's a great answer. And that, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, obviously, you know, January 15th is the filing deadline for the semi-annual filing. Um, we're mm-hmm. going to have a show in a couple of weeks where we go in and uh, uh, I've been a treasurer for campaign finance for a couple of campaigns in the past. I, I, I'm familiar with the New York State Board of Elections website and we're going to do a deep dive. And we're going to look at different candidates filing. So I'm interested to see, you know, you and other mayoral candidates and, you know, where the money's coming from, what it's being spent on. Um, it, I, I love hearing that you're going after individuals and you're going to do individual donors and you're not going to be going after developers and the corporate money. Yeah, I do want some packs, though. Oh, yeah. I'll, be, I'll be honest about that. I mean, like, you know, I've been a member of higher heights. I've been giving these people like a hundred bucks a month for like two years. Um, so higher heights is a pack that like supports black women running for office. And I'm not saying that they're going to support me, but like, I kind of want my return on investment. <laughs> right. Wouldn't hurt. Right. Yeah. No, and I, 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 there's a difference between packs and corporate money. Absolutely. So. Um, speaking of you, know, you're talking about you're you know you're gonna approach your national networks for money, and you're gonna approach and you're gonna work you, you know your community and your networking. Who are you gonna approach for endorsements? You know, are you looking at the Working Families Line? Are you looking at the Independence Line? Are you gonna actually go to the Democrats? Are you gonna go to ECDC and say why not me? Are you gonna go to mm-hmm. the unions? Are you gonna go to other elected officials and say support me? That, that is a great question. And I love answering it because absolutely I am. Right. And even though, like, I know the answer is likely no, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> right? well, that's a great, um, that, look, that's a refreshing and great attitude to have because look, if they say no, where are you? The same place you are now, right? You, if, if you go and ask, say, picking one at random, Joe Golombek and ask for his endorsement and he says, no, well, you're in the same fucking place you're already are in, which is you have right. no endorsement from Joe Golombek, right? If he, if he, if he so comes out this, and says yes, well then, great, now you've picked up something. You're not going to get it if you don't ask. But you know what? If he did come out and say yes, good for him, right? Like, there, first of all, the, oh, here we go. You got me going. <laughs> Let's go. So the, Let's go. <laughs> there, um, I am a breath of fresh air. Right. Mm -hmm. I am what the people actually want. And anyone who's willing to come out as an early endorser or or an early supporter has an advantage. Right. Because you're saying no to what has been holding us back and you're saying yes to what is going to move us forward. Right. Mm -hmm. So 
I, like I said, I'm the only one who's formally announced. I'm the only one who's actively campaigning. So in my mind, I'm the front runner. So yeah, I'm going to everyone. I'm having meetings and I'm saying like, you want to support me. It makes sense. I have the ability to make you relevant again, ECDC, because right now no one believes in you. And if you did support me, if you do support me, now there's a chance for you to really say that you are the party of progressive politics in Western New York, where right now you're not. Like most of y'all, we don't even know whether you're Democrats or Republicans or libertarians or whatever, right? So like I'm seeking all of the endorsements because I am the candidate of the people. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm also a former union member, delegate, representative of 1199 SEIU. So I'm gonna be seeking endorsements and support from my labor community because I believe in workers' rights and, you know, gender equality and wages and all of these other things that have kind of been like kicked down the road and swept under the rug all this time. And if you want somebody who's going to like really fight for people and workers and average Buffalonians, I'm that person. So when you say you're going to go and ask for everybody's endorsement, I'm just going to go a quick list real quick and you can tell me yes or no. Democrats. Yes. Republicans. No. <laughs> Independence Party. No. Working Families Party. Yes. Conservative Party. No. Okay. Just wanted to double check. When you said everybody and I thought, man, if you get the Republicans to endorse you, you got a real coup you pulled off there. And they are familiar with pulling off coups. <laughs> They are very familiar. Yeah. I, sh I should have said everyone whose values. India, you said, I mean, you certainly are a breath of fresh air. And the more we're talking here today, the more I get excited for your candidacy. Um, I guess I just, something I kind of wanted to ask, just pick your brain about. A lot of people we see as elected officials are lifers, right? Like they've been in the establishment for a long time they've been you know i don't want to say they're not normal people but i will say <laughs> that you to me are a normal person that you work that you have family obligations i can identify with a lot of what you're talking about what's it like being for lack of a better term a normal person trying to navigate this stuff oh it is crazy it's ridiculous so every night Around 10.30, I run a bath and I sit in the bathtub for like an hour and cry. Um, <laughs> it's, it's both incredible and it's a little bit scary, but like I'm already proud of the work that we've been doing and what we've been able to accomplish. Like I am like super regular and like borderline poor, right? So like the fact that we have like all of these like very streamlined and professional website and like our media is on point and things like that is super impressive to me but i also feel the weight of what we're trying to do and what we are going to do is like open the floodgates for every person who is sick and tired to stand up and challenge the status quo i think that we had this perception for so long in the city of buffalo that in order to be a leader you have to be important to someone or you have to be like, um, I don't even know the word I'm looking for, like knighted or like 
someone has to legitimize you in order for you to be a leader. But there are so many people who I encounter on a daily basis who are real leaders in their neighborhoods and in our communities on their blocks. And those are the people that we really need. So I'm just, I'm really excited and it's kind of surreal, you know? And I, sometimes I'm like, I wonder if the mayor has to pick up his children's underwear off the bathroom floor. (laughs) Like, I campaign all day in my blue and yellow when I get home and my kids are like, what's for dinner? And it's like, do you know that I'm going to be the next mayor? And no, they don't care. So, (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. So India, I know we're, um, I know we're super early in this and I know right now we don't know who or what the other candidates are going to be. Um, I know the field is super wide open right now and there's, there's a lot of variables and, and maybe we can revisit this as we get more in the thick of the campaign. But I want to ask you now, um, you wouldn't be running if you didn't think you could win. And what do you think is your path to victory? Like, what does it look like? However you want to define it, but how do you think we get India Walton as mayor of Buffalo? Yeah, I think um, the one thing is like I need people to just be courageous and be brave. Right. I know that a lot of folks um, livelihood is connected to the city and the current administration. And I just want to say, like, don't be scared. Like, I'm not going to come in and day one, like clean house and fire everyone. Like there are people who who exist in City Hall right now who are doing a good job. Right. Um, The other thing is like dogged determination is the path to victory. So we can't gather. I can't, we can't knock on doors, but every week on Tuesday, you're getting hot take Tuesday where I'm talking for a half an hour and I'm answering questions of people who want to engage every Wednesday. I'm going into a different neighborhood and I'm doing a walk on Wednesday and talking to residents and business owners and really like hearing the concerns of people in real time and, and engaging folks where they are. Um, And I don't think that's something that people are used to encountering. Right. And I'm super accessible. Even before I was running, I still was like everyone had my phone number and whatever they needed, they could call me for. And if I don't have the answer or the resource, I'm willing to help people find the answer or the resource using my network and connections and navigating the multiple coalitions that I've been a part of. So that's not something that's ever going to change. And that is, that's how we win, right? Is being authentic, being real, resilient, and ready. Like those three words didn't like, they're not fabricated. That is genuinely who I am and what I'm going to bring to the office of the mayor of the city of Buffalo. And when I say I'm bringing everyone with me, like that's real. That's actually what we're intending to do. And I often like refer to the campaign in terms in, in plural us we because it is it's, it's not a me thing it's an it's an us it's a we it's a what we're going to do together and how we're going to make Buffalo a thriving and vibrant city for all of us. Um, so yeah, I, I know I'm going to win. Let's talk about because you mentioned day one. Um, we use as a shorthand, like we're, we're looking at the presidency, for instance, there's the standard of the first 100 days. There's a lot that's different, obviously, on the mayoral level, but I think it's a pretty good shorthand for that period of time where, you know, you've just won, you have a lot of, a lot of political capital and, you know, a lot of just momentum behind you. So let me ask you, what would the first 
you know, first few months, first 100 days of a, a Mayor India Walton term look like? What are you focusing on and prioritizing? The first thing we're focusing on is forgiveness. So everyone who doubted our campaign, <laughs> we're going to forgive them. And, and, and you can, we won't. Invite, yeah, yeah. We, won't we won't forgive them. You right, can yeah. forgive them. We right. will We will not. Right. We're, we're a bunch of elephants down here. We got long memories. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's definitely about like working together and finding experts, right? Subject matter and policy experts to be able to make the most efficient use of our time and money. I think our first priority is going to be that budget, right? Like we need to do a thorough audit of the budget, find out where money is being wasted, recoup it, reallocate it to the things that matter, right? I want year-round youth employment for low-income youth. Um, I, I want to abolish fines and fees, I hate that our city budget is so dependent upon fines and fees for revenue. We're going to revamp the homestead program. Do you remember when you could buy a city-owned property for a dollar if yeah. you committed to oh, living yeah. it? We're yes. going to revamp and re and, and reinstitute um, the homestead program, make people homeowners, um, we're going to support community-based organizations who are already doing the good work and could do so much more good work with the cooperation of city government. Um, I think that our first hundred days in office looks very similar to what my life looked like as a nonprofit executive or as a community organizer or as a nurse, right? Bringing people in, advocating for folks, streamlining processes, and taking care of people. That's what our first 100 days is going to be all about, is how do we better take care of the people of Buffalo? Yeah, thank you. That is that is a great answer. Indy, you can't see me in the corner, but I'm nodding and fist pumping so hard right now. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> So I, I, I have a I have a question I want to ask, which is kind of aligned with, you know, the first hundred days and what you want to do is what do you want to do about about the mayor's office? There's a disparity in the power now. Right. It used to be that the common council, when, when we had at large members and we had a council president. Mm -hmm. Right. Which wasn't that long ago. It seems like it was forever ago, but it wasn't really that long ago that we used to have a council president and at large members when we had those members who because they had the broad base because they were at large and they were voted on by the city, they weren't as beholden to the mayor as the individual district members are. Mm -hmm. So now there's a real power disparity where the mayor's office rules and the legislature, for the most part, goes along to get along. And part of it is because I don't... Far be it for me to say that anybody who's ever been involved in politics can be spiteful. Mm. But some people might be sometimes. And if you don't go along with what they say, sometimes they might be spiteful towards you. Mm -hmm. So do you look forward? Do, do you, are you like, damn right, India's going to rule with an iron fist and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smash that legislature and make them do whatever I want? <laughs> or do you look and go, no, I think we need to go back to a more equal footing between the executive branch and the legislative branch? I have for quite a while said that we need to get more balance of power, right? Um, 
I already have pretty decent working relationships with a lot of members of the Common Council as a citizen, right? There's been things that I wanted to see done and I've been able to approach people. I mean, like the council president right now, like I've, we have a very close working relationship. He's the reason why the Fruitvale Community Land Trust was able to, um, you know, progress in the way that it did with, is with his support. But I, I do think that there needs to be more communication between the legislative and executive branches. I, I just, it baffles me how, there's this huge disconnect and I would definitely be an advocate for bringing back at large members um, of the common council. I think that for a lot of folks, like they do use Darius Pridgen, like as the at large member, anything goes wrong in the city. I'm calling Pridgen, right? Like, right. He's, he's the elegant district council member. He so happens to be the council president, but like he's not an at large member, but he's assumed that role because of his popularity. And like, we do need to, get back to that model um, of governing. All right. I, I know we've asked you a lot of tough questions today, India, and thank you for your time a- uh, asking them. The The last big question that I have for you, this might be the toughest one yet. How are you feeling about the Buffalo Bills? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a very tough question. Listen, I was born in Buffalo, raised in Buffalo. I am a huge Bills fan. I love my team to the death, right? There's an old saying that goes, if you want to know what your, where your wife comes from, she should come from Buffalo because she'll wait forever for a ring. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I, am, I am Buffalo through and through. I bleed blue. And, you know, someone asked me, you know, about like what I thought of the Pagulas and stuff. And I'm like, okay, so the Bills is different than the people who own them, right? So obviously, I'm an environmentalist, I'm an anti-fracking, I'm like anti-capitalist and all of those things. But you can't be born in Buffalo and not be a Bills fan. So I am enthused. I was in tears yesterday. I, I cried I laughed. I pulled my hair out. I think I might have had like three or four heart attacks. <laughs> and I'm, I'm super excited. I'll tell you right and now. I prayed. I said, God, I said, if, if you want me to be mayor, you will allow these bills to continue because I just ordered my custom jersey. <laughs> and if my jersey don't come till next week, it's going to be irrelevant. <laughs> and they won. So God wants me to be mayor. I, I, I can understand <laughs> you saying you're having a bunch of heart attacks. Uh, it's I am unfortunately a smoker, and man, I had a lot of cigarettes during the game yesterday. <laughs> oh. Well, listen, India, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we'd love to have you on, like I said, once we get a little bit more into the thick of the campaign, we'd love to revisit some things, see where you're at. But in the meantime, for listeners who are interested in you, interested in supporting your campaign, where can they reach out or find resources to support India Walton for uh, mayor of Buffalo? So you may visit my website at www.indiawalton.com. Follow me on all platforms of social media, volunteer, donate. Um, Right now we're running a campaign team 716. So um, your recurring donation of $7 and 16 cents. Make you a member of Team 716 and you will be an integral, integral, nope, I'm saying all, integral into, damn, that's a, that's a tough <laughs> that's a word. That's a tough word. Integral. I, there it is. I say, I mess it up all the time too. 
<laughs> integral part of our, our campaign um, to become the first woman, the first black woman to be elected mayor of Buffalo. Absolutely. And we'll make sure that we um, will we'll share on our platforms too uh, links to, to your website and, and to your social media page. Um, but again, India, it's been a great honor. I, I'm speaking on behalf of Ryan and Jim um, and myself, of course. It's been a great honor to speak with you today. And uh, yeah, we're really pulling for you here. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks Thank so you much. so much.